Good morning, River Church. We are so glad that you've joined us for our worship gathering this morning or whenever you happen to be engaging this service online. And uh, we're going to be led in worship by Jasmine, and then we're going to dig into a really important message by Todd about spiritual identity and how important it is to know our identity in the midst of spiritual battle. And speaking of identity, it's my privilege to be able to introduce to you our brand new full-time pastoral staff member leading our charge in Junior High Ministries. His name is Luke Schroeder. Luke, welcome. We're so happy to have you join the River Church to be part of our full-time pastoral staff and as well to be part of the community, both you and your lovely wife, Brittany. And uh, you've been on staff for less than a month and uh, you've been really working hard getting to know junior high students and their parents but we want an opportunity to invite uh, to introduce you to the wider church so um, Luke t just tell us a little bit about yourself sure so I'm a Orange County native uh, born and raised in uh, Southern California and I grew up going to Saddleback Church uh, most recently I was up in Vancouver Canada where I just finished my Masters of Divinity. Uh, in the last three months, I graduated. I moved three times, came down to California, planned a coronavirus wedding, gotten married, <laughs> and started this job. So it's been a very full three months, uh, but I love outdoor activities. I'm so excited to surf down here and mountain bike and enjoy Palos Verdes. Mm, fantastic. Well, you're gonna love it here and you're gonna love the people here, and we can already tell uh, that they're gonna love you as well. And uh, so you're part of the pastoral staff, uh, you know, helping to lead the whole church, but your primary focus right now is junior high ministry. And so just tell us a bit, why junior high ministry for you, Luke? Sure, so there's three main reasons why I feel called and led into junior high ministry. The first is that this is such a formative time in these students' lives, and I'm very excited to enter in and be a part of their lives uh, communicating the gospel of Jesus mm -hmm. Christ, the good mm -hmm. news that Jesus is king and bringing his kingdom here to earth. Mm -hmm. The second reason is that I love family ministry. I love joining parents and joining the family of families here at the River Church and raising children in deep relationship with Jesus Christ. The third reason is that it's just a lot of fun. It's just fun to be hanging out with these students. They're very fun, very goofy, very silly, and it's just a really good time. Ah, fantastic. Oh, well, we, we just love your spirit and love your energy and what you're going to bring to junior high ministry and to the whole church. Uh, before I pray for you, uh, Todd has a few personal words for you. So, Todd, come on in. Hey, Luke. Hey, Todd. Hey, we're glad you're with us. Hey, in the first take, Luke said that he really likes a good joke. Did you hear about the, uh, the French fry that walked into a bar and ordered a beer? And uh, the bartender said, we don't serve food here. That's a good one. In the first take, he didn't get it. I just <laughs> want everybody to know that. Hey, I just wanted to affirm this hire, and I wanted to affirm you, uh, Luke. You're no stranger to the river because we've known you a long time. We were down in Orange County, and when Denise and I and the family were down there, we met your family and met you That's guys, right. you and your brother. And I have been since then impressed with your character and your faith in Christ and as a young man. So I've known you a long time. And off to school you went to Cal Poly and then to Regent. And then Jeff and Linda Mallory, some other dear friends of the river, uh, mentioned your name and said, give Luke a call. He is looking for his first position in ministry, full-time position, 
and we have the great opportunity to uh, invite you up to this community and become part of our our church family. So there's already a connection there, and I hope there will be a, a greater connection with people uh, in our community as well. So Luke, excited about you and Brittany joining our church family. Bill, Thank come you. on up and pray. I'm excited to be here too. All right, fantastic. Well, Luke, you know, we believe in the priesthood of all believers. We believe that everyone at the river has a part, a part to play and has uh, gifting and callings. But we also believe that God sets aside certain people to help lead the whole church and to shepherd and to teach. And uh, we believe that you're one of those people and that you've exhibited the gifting and the calling to serve as a pastor and a shepherd of the River Church. And so we always take time to pray, a prayer of commissioning. And normally we would have the search team and the council of leaders and you know, junior high parents come and lay their hands on you as we pray this prayer of blessing. But in this environment, we can't do this. So at home, I just ask everyone to really join in in uh, praying with me this prayer of commission over Luke's life. Let's pray together. Gracious Father, we thank you for your calling of each one of us, for the gift of salvation, and then setting aside Luke with this unique gifting and calling to serve as a pastor and a shepherd and a teacher, a guide, a leader, especially over the lives and the ministries in junior high at this time. And we're grateful for uh, the evident calling in his life, for his love for students, for his ability to connect with families. We want to pray a special blessing on his brand new marriage with Brittany, that you would protect them, that you would help them to bond and grow together in this brand new community, help them to make friends. And Father, we would just pray a blessing on the ministry as it moves forward. Give them great momentum may uh, Luke be creative in a very difficult environment to attempt to do safe ministry and to continue to disciple and form the lives of these very, very special students who are in junior high. So may your blessing reside on him, guide him, and lead him in Jesus' name. Amen. The King of the king of my be the shadow where I hide the ransom for my life oh is my song for you are good you're good oh yes you are good you're good oh God you are the king of my
vessel Make me an offering Make me whatever You want me to be God, I came here with nothing But all you have given me Jesus, bring new wine Out of me Good morning and welcome back River Church and friends and family. Uh, we're back online. Uh, we had great, great plans to uh, move our service to actually uh, the, the parking lot of the Norris Theater and having another option. It's just one of the options, as you know. Many are still watching online. We have home churches that are meeting and uh, we welcome you and we're glad you're meeting. You're glad you're meeting safely in backyards, uh, finding places to connect in smaller groups. And we thought we'd add now, uh, it was time to add the third component, which is an outdoor service, but we just don't feel like it's the right time. We do, just don't wanna be part of the problem. We wanna be part of the solution and do our part. And so we're gonna wait. We're gonna be prayerful and we're just gonna wait. So settle in, we're gonna continue our church services online. And this morning we're continuing our series out of Revelation. This is a beautiful passage of scripture where Jesus is teaching the churches. These are words of Jesus to the church in the first century as well as today. And, and, and out of the seven messages, the seven churches, we've discovered five key words for the church today. Jesus has five words for us today. And we began in Ephesus, as you recall, two weeks ago, and the word is love your first love, that all loves are ordered by your first love. If you get your first love right, all your other loves will fall into place. And then James did a fantastic job last week of bringing us a message from Smyrna. And the second word is really known, to be known in your suffering. Jesus says, I know you in your suffering. And then the third word, which is the word this morning, it's a word that Jesus brings us out of the, the message to the, the, the church that's in Pergamum and the church that's in Thyatira. They share common themes. They share common uh, contexts. And this one word is identity. Um, Jesus wants us to know who we are and whose we are. And when you know your identity, you are able to stand firm in your faith no matter the circumstances, no matter the environment. And in fact, what we learn about this situation in Pergamum and in Thyatira is they were hostile environments to faith, very hostile. And Jesus says that 
If you know who you are, you will be able to stand firm no matter what, no matter what is thrown your way. Your faith's longevity is determined by your identity. And so let's take a look quickly at these two uh, uh, messages and combine them together. Uh, in the church in Pergamum, Jesus says, the one who has the two-edged sword says, I know where you dwell. I know where Satan's throne is and that you hold fast to my name and did not deny my faith even in the days of Antipas, my witness, my faithful one who was killed among you where Satan dwells. So this is a hostile environment. Jesus says, this is where Satan dwells. And, but I have a few things against you because you have held to the teachings of Balaam who have kept the teaching of Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel. So Jesus is referring back to an Old Testament time in which during the time of Abraham in Numbers 22, where Balaam misled the Israelites and led them away from God by false teaching. And he's referring back to that and saying, this teaching has come back to the church today and has been misleading believers, leading them away into idol sacrifice, immorality, and it's under the context or under the term, the teachings of Balaam. But then Jesus says, hold fast, hold fast. Don't follow the ways of Balaam. And then again in verse 15, don't even follow the ways of the Nicolotians. The Nicolotians also followed the same teachings, false teachings that were leading Christians away from their faith in Christ. And, and there was pressure on these Christians to follow these teachings. Repent, I come back. And when I come back, I will do these things. You will overcome and I will give you hidden manna. Notice this. This is really important. I will give you hidden manna. It's there in verse 17 of chapter 2. And I will give you a white stone, a new name written on the stone, which no one knows but the one who receives it. What is that hidden stone? What is that hidden man? manna? I think that's referring to a greater identity. And I'm going to explain that to you. Let's move to Tyra Thyra as, as well. And just let me give you just a brief overview of what's going on. Same thing, hostile environment to Christians. But in this particular case, it says, I know your deeds and your love and your faith, but you've been following the teachings of Jezebel. Jezebel, again, an Old Testament reference to Ahab's wife, who was hostile to the Israelites' faith, who led Israelites away to false prophets, and that teaching has come back. And, and many were following this teaching, and Jesus has harsh words to this false teacher, Jezebel, and uh, to those that followed, but said, repent, come back. And I will give you, it says, the morning star in verse 28. I think it's a reference to Jesus himself. Jesus says, I will give you my presence. And so here in this, here's the context. Here's the point. Here's the whole point of the message. Jesus says, you live in a hostile environment. You live in a time and a period of time where, where it says Satan's temples dwell. It's a reference to the four temples that, that were in Pergamum in the ancient 
uh, in the ancient Near East, in Asia Minor, in this particular city. There were four temples. There was a temple to Zeus. There was a temple to Athena. There was a temple to Dionysus and a temple to Asclepian, the god of healing. And people would come and worship these gods. They would come for healing. They would come for power. They believed, they had hope in these cultic beliefs. And so the city was filled with these grand temples. The city of Pergamum sat up a thousand feet high on a cone-shaped hill overlooking the valley. It was spectacular. It was grand. And yet it was overcome and influenced by these particular beliefs as well as these false teachings. I know where you dwell. These temples, there was pressure to go to the temples and worship these gods. There was pressure to, to be invited uh, and participate in the festivals and the festivities and the sacrifices and, and the daily activities uh, around the temple that ultimately led to immorality. That's, that's what's going on in this passage as well as the false teachings that would get into the mind of believers unless you hold to your identity. And this is true for all of us. Your identity is so, why is identity so important in the Christian life? Why is identity important when you have competing messages coming your way of, of uh, competing messages that determine kind of your value and your worth in society. Uh, uh, you know, I was thinking of a junior hire and the peer pressure of entering peer pressure uh, of small groups. A young person developing who they are is absolutely critical to their faith. Without knowing who you are and whose you are, the two components of identity, you will become prey to peer pressure. You move on to high school and move into college. It moves from peer pressure to freedom and freedom to experiment with lifestyles and behaviors that may be contrary to your faith and what Jesus teaches. And that's coming at you unless you have an identity in Christ. That's why Jesus brings this hidden manna, this new name, and himself, the morning star, to us. It counters the identity that's given to us by the world. And your faith is strong when you land on an identity that's in Christ. You can get through peer pressure. You can get through the freedoms that are offered to you as a high school or a college student, or even as you enter into the business world. And you're hearing a philosophy of life that's being kind of thrown at you. You can stand firm. So let's look at those two components. Let's look at why identity is so important. By the way, I was listening to this great podcast. Tim Keller was talking about, you know, planning this big church redeemer in New York City. And it was a mega church. And he says, if I did it over, I would plant small churches. Nothing wrong with a mega church. It provides things that small churches can't in a community or in a big urban environment. But he, would say, he said, small churches have the opportunity to be missional and to develop people at the deepest level. And he said, today, if I planted a church, I would focus completely on this subject of identity. Why? Why identity? He said, identity is what everyone is seeking after today. And you look at social media. Social media is all about creating an identity and then standing for vigorously defending the identity that you create for yourself. 
against attacks or uh, against competing identities. You work hard. It's about performance. And what Tim Keller said is that today our society is looking for an identity and it's about performance. It's hard work. And yet what Jesus offers is an alternate identity, an identity that is not achieved, but received. And here in this passage, these Christians receive a new identity in two ways. First of all, in who they are, but second of all, in whose they are. So I want to look at those briefly with you. Who you are is important. And I get that out of this idea that when you overcome, I will give you hidden manna. This idea of hidden manna is a reference in the Old Testament when God provided manna to the Israelites so that they could survive the desert. They, had, they did not have the resources to survive the desert. And God provided from heaven the manna, the bread of life. Jesus then would say, I am the bread of life. I am the manna from heaven for you. And then he would say, every word of my mouth is the manna. It's the spiritual food. And here's the question. Your identity is determined by where you get your manna. See, Where's your manna coming from? What what are you nourishing your soul on? Jesus says your manna ultimately is his words. Let me give you a couple examples. In Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28 and 31, it says, I give you strength. I give the young person strength who has become weary. In Isaiah chapter uh, uh, 41, don't fear. Don't anxiously look about. I will strengthen you. This is what Jesus says. This is, this is the identity Jesus gives you. He is the one who gives you what your soul needs. See, you got to ask the question. You got to ask the question, who feeds my soul? Does the world feed your soul? Does it promise you anything? Does it fulfill its promises? I mean, seriously, think about it. What does the world's message say? Get what you can, get it all. And if you don't, you're out of luck. There are no promises. There are no guarantees. There's no protection. There is no care like Jesus provides. And many of us have put our our identity in the nourishment of our souls from the messages of this world. And what Jesus is saying is we need to focus on a different message, The, the hidden manna that enables our soul to survive. I mean, let me give you another verse. This is amazing. Um, In uh, Isaiah chapter one, this is a remarkable section. And if you really wanna understand your identity, take a few moments and really read through this and write down everything that is true of you that Jesus is giving you. This This is nourishing the soul and helping you understand who you are as a person, your core identity. Jesus says, blessed be the Father, God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed you in every spiritual blessing, and then begins to list them. The things that Jesus gives us. In love, he predestined us to adoption. In verse 7, he gives us redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. In verse 9, he gives us the mystery of his will. Uh, In verse 11, it says that we obtain an inheritance. And and 
We've been sealed in him in verse 13. Look at all the things that are true of you. Look at all the things that Jesus provides you. That's how he cares for your soul. And then it says here in, uh, in verse 15, moving on, it says in verse 16, it says, the father of glory may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. And I pray that your eyes of your heart, notice that, your heart would be open to be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling and the riches of the glory of his inheritance and what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards you who believe. I mean, do you see that? Jesus wants you to know who you are and what he provides for you. All throughout scripture, we find this to be true. Jesus is looking out for you. When you have that kind of identity, you walk into any environment, any, any kind of a situation where you are hearing contrary messages, where you feel pressure, you are going to stand strong. It's, it's guaranteed. You have to develop an identity in Christ based upon who you are from Scripture. Does that make sense? The second thing, I remember, let me just give you a quick illustration on that. When I was a student, a high school student, I remember studying God's Word. And the more I studied His Word in high school, the more I found that my foundation rested in who I am in Christ more than the messages I was receiving from friends, from the culture in which I I lived, uh, my high school, uh, sports, academics, all the rest of it, all of that changed. All of that kind of uh, 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 came and went, right? I, I would it'd be up and down. It would be up and down. I would, I'd have injuries. Uh, I, I wouldn't be able to uh, start on the water pole team or whatever it was. Uh, I didn't get a great grade or uh, I wasn't in the right crowd. All of those issues, I was able to navigate the false imaging because I knew who I was in Christ. It was constant, it was stable. And that has led me through my life. It has continued on. The word gives me the confidence. But the second thing I want you to see is really important. Jesus gives us something else. He gives us a new name. And it's not not, not just simply who you are, it's whose you are. You are Jesus's. And there is something important there. It says here in this Revelation passage, it says that I will give you a white stone. The white stone maybe we don't know what the white stone represents, but it's something. It's like a token, maybe a token uh, to get in. It's like a membership token to get into a particular club or maybe an amulet with mystery wrapped around it. We don't know exactly, but, but Jesus is referring to a white stone as something valuable, something important, something worth looking at. And you have this white stone. He's going to hand you this white stone. And it says it's going to have a new name written on the stone, which no one knows, but he who receives it. What's the name? Well, there's been a lot of, uh, 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 really, I think, guesses on what this is. Um, some, some say that it's the divine name, the divine name of God or the divine name of Jesus. But I think the new name, which only the person who receives it will understand, is a reference to the name that Jesus calls you. Jesus has a name for you because he is, he is your, you, you are his. 
it, 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 it's, here, here let, me, let me help you understand that. Let me unpack that for a second, just a second. The idea of a name is really important, but behind that is the impact of the person giving you the name. You know, we've, it's been said that we are the sum total of what a parent or a teacher or a coach or a mentor, a pastor has said about you. Their words are valuable. And we all can look back and say, that person had a great impact on me. Their words inspired me. They spoke truth into my life. They believed in me in a time when I didn't believe in myself. And we hold on to those words because we hold on to the person that gave us those words. And here's the key. The greater the sacrifice of the person giving you the words of affirmation, the greater your identity in that person. Isn't that true? I think of my own father and I relate it to my name. My name, I, I, I was born uh, not with the name Todd, but with the name Theodore. That's my, that's my birth name. It's my father's name. It's my son's name. That name Theodore meant something not because it's a name, but because my father would speak that name. And what my father sacrificed for me represented his love to me in my life. And when he would say the word Theodore, I knew I was his, I was his son. And there was a sense of identity that you could not take away from me. His words were powerful in my life because when he spoke my name, the name that he gave me, I knew where it was coming from because of the sacrifice of his life. My mom and dad, amazing parents. They sacrificed much, both of them. But it was the word of my father that I think spoke into my life. Now the word itself is important as well. I mean, when you take the word Theodore, from Theos and Doron, gift, you get the idea of God's gift or a gift from God, you know, and, and, um, and, you know, we have nicknames and I had lots of nicknames. People called me Tad, they called me Theo, my son goes by Theo, uh, lots of different names. Um, but the word Theodore means something and your name means something. God is giving you that kind of a name. It may not necessarily be your birth name. In my case, I think of it and I think that Jesus would say that what's written on the white stone is your name. And your name is Theodore. You are a gift. You are a gift to the world. Don't ever forget that. And I, when I hear the voice of Jesus speaking into my life and giving me identity, this is what I hear him saying. Don't ever, ever uh, undervaluate yourself. Don't ever... Uh, uh, find your worth anywhere else other than me because you are a gift. And, and the, the adventurous life that you live, I give you as a gift to the world to lead others into the great adventure. I mean, that's part of who I am. That's part of my identity. I know that. And something that I, I don't often connect with, and um, it was brought to my attention by my, my, my uh, sister-in-law, Kristen Windorf, my brother's wife, uh, when my mother was in the hospital and suffering and she was dying. And uh, I had great compassion because I didn't want to see her in pain. And uh, it was some of the most difficult 
wrenching days of my life watching my mom suffer. More than anything else, I knew my mom lived a great life. Um, God gave her a great life and a great family and, and um, uh, we blessed her and uh, it, was, it was incredible. But in those days of suffering, there was a level of compassion that I connected with that I didn't know I had until later after my mom died. Um, Kristen pulled me inside and saw, I saw your compassion. See, I think you have an identity that Jesus only knows that's deep within you and it's a name. I think of all three of my children, my son Theodore, that name means something. My, my daughter Brittany Jo, I mean, she is named after my mother, Josephine. And our oldest daughter, Brooke Ann, is named after my mom's, my, my wife's mom, Ann, Ann Thurber. I mean, it's, it's, these are important names because they represent who you are. And Jesus knows who you are and has given you a name. I wonder what your name is. I wonder what the words Jesus would speak into your life. Whose you are, you are Jesus. Psalm 139, it's beautiful. It says literally that I knew you from the beginning. I formed your days. I formed your life. I mean, all throughout scripture we find, Isaiah, don't fear, I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. Isaiah 43, verse one. I called you by name, God says. And it says, you are mine. See, knowing whose you are is important. And hearing the words of Jesus speak that truth of who you are and whose you are into your life brings a confidence you're able to stand against the messaging of the world. You're able to stand against anything you're facing this morning. I want you to hear that this morning. Let me end with this. Lauren Daigle wrote a beautiful song, and the song is You Say. I love the song. It's beautiful. The words are powerful. I keep thinking, I keep hearing the voices. I keep hearing the voices in my mind that say that I'm not enough. I don't measure up. And yet later in the song, she says, the one thing that matters now is what you think of me. In your infinity, in your infinite love for me, and in the worth that you give me, I hear you speak my identity. It's not exactly those words, but that's how I interpret it. In your infinity, I hear the worth that you give me, my identity. This morning, you need a firm identity. You need an identity in Christ. And when you have an identity in Christ that's rooted in scripture, in hearing Christ speak into your life, I know who you are. I know deep into your soul who you are as a person, and I value that. Guess what happens? There's a strength that you will have in your faith that will carry you through anything. Let me pray for you. So Father, I pray this morning that we would become uh, aware of who we are and whose we are in you, Jesus. In you, Jesus. Not in the world, not in the messaging that's happening around us, but in you. That we would hold strong to that. That we would know it and that we would hold firm to the truth that you formed us, you knew us, you love us, you redeemed us, you sacrificed us, sacrificed for us, you sealed us in a promise, and we have an inheritance in you. 
Ah, nothing can take that away. And I stand on that this morning in the name of Jesus. Amen. Standing here in your presence In a grave so relentless I am one By perfect love Wrapped within the arms of heaven In a peace that lasts forever Sinking deep In mercy
River Church, it's been so good being together with you today. And I'm just so thankful for Todd's message, his message on identity, and how important it is for us to understand our identity, to understand who we are, and not only who we are, but whose we are. And when I think about that, it gives me great confidence when I think about the fact that our identity is anchored in Jesus and his words about us. It reminds me uh, of how the Father says through Jesus to me, Bill, you are my beloved son, and I not only love you, but I am well pleased with you. And that gives me confidence to face all the trials that come my way in these days. So River Church, uh, may God bless you. May the Holy Spirit lead you. And May God fill you with his love to an overflowing so that that goodness can spill out of you on all the people that you come into contact with this week. Grace and peace to you.